Welcome to the Women Owned Wednesday podcast by Ellie Jane. I'm Ellie Rowe, entrepreneur and founder of Ellie Jane Collective, and today I have Angie Kilcullen, artist and founder of Misprints and Masterpieces. You can find her online or on Instagram. And Angie was actually recommended to me by a mutual friend, which totally makes sense once you learn a little about her and the mission behind Misprints and Masterpieces. Her goal is to empower and support female artists through the platform that she also coincidentally launched in the middle of COVID, just like me. Born and raised in South Louisiana, Angie is also a hugger like me, a talker like me, and a creator, me too. Her and I talk about the impact COVID has had personally and professionally and how her business helped pull her out of the funk. We also talk a little about logistics and fostering organic followings through authentic connections. Also, when we recorded this episode, it was the day after one of the most historic, or should I say, historic, presidential inaugurations in history. And so honestly, it's hard to say whether it was the post-inauguration high or the margarita I was sipping on during our conversation that made it so memorable, but either way, I hope you enjoy. Also, I just want to quickly mention the sheer amount of female representation we had at the inauguration. Between Amanda Gorman and her incredible prose, or J-Lo and her shout-out of unity, or Lady Gaga, or even Bernie's Mittens, handmade by Jen Ellis, a second-grade teacher in Vermont, and then, of course, we can never forget, our current Madame Vice President. I feel at peace. Okay, that's it. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, so I am here with Angie Kilcullen, artist and owner of Misprints and Masterpieces. And Angie, how have you been? Hi, Ellie. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I've been good. I mean, it's it's a little crazy, right? I think everybody is, we're just kind of taking it day by day. And I like to joke that if we had known way back in February <laughs> that we'd be <laughs> You know, living like this for almost a year, I think most of us would have been pulling our hair out a lot sooner. But um, <laughs> all things considered, I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm trying to keep as much, I guess, balance in my life as I can. You know, mm-hmm. which which helps me emotionally and and physically. Yeah, I think you know the past year has just been so crazy um, that it's hard. It, it's impacted everyone in different ways. Um, you know, I know when you have, when you and I were talking earlier, you were saying that, you know, kind of, you were kind of getting into your mojo, um, when COVID hit or kind of towards the end of, of last year. And so has, how has, well, let's do some background. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you got into art, um, and we can kind of go from there. Okay, sure. So I, I live in Maryland now, but I always like to talk about where I'm from because it's uh, super important to me and uh, Louisiana is, is my North Star. So I was born and raised in Southwest Louisiana, like in the heart of Cajun country. And I talk about that, I guess, because I really identify with that part of the country and it, it informed a lot of who I am as a, as a human being, as a person, um, as an artist and as a, even how I parent my children, you know, here, here in the North. But anyway, so from Louisiana, one of four kids, very, very creative mother and um, older sister. Um, but when I was young, just did a ton of art projects with my mom and my siblings. I guess my mom noticed that I had, you know, some artistic tendencies as a child. And so she enrolled me in art classes you know, piano classes, which was horrible, but I stuck with the art, not the piano. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so I did a lot of art classes. And I guess as I got older um, and started, um, you know, seeing some successes and getting good feedback from my teachers um, in high school mainly, um, and decided that I wanted to focus on that going into college. So I ended up getting uh, my BA um, in art. And then I went to graduate school and got my master's in painting and uh, mixed media primarily. So um, I've always been interested in art. I have a very dynamic mother and older sister who are also super creative. And um, so they kind of just taught me to be fearless in that way. And I'm really not afraid to try anything, try new things. If I don't know how to do something, I'll just experiment or try it out and you know, just make the mistakes until I figure out, you know, kind of what I want to do. So art has always been a huge part of my life since I, since I was a child. Mm -hmm. So when COVID kind of started to unfold, Mm -hmm. me a little bit about your pop-ups that you were doing because it was super cool. 
Sure. So um, in the about eight years ago, um, we lived so we live in a 130 year old house, an old kind of Victorian farmhouse. And I'm very fortunate that in my backyard, I have a barn, like an authentic hundred some year old barn. <laughs> and when we moved in here, you know, for the first seven or eight years, it just sat there and collected the kids' bikes and, you know, different things, lawnmower and, you know, crapola. And, um, I always joke that, I mean, it, it was a legit kind of scary barn with like the dirt floor and, you know, you could see through cracks into the outside and there was a loft up there and the kids would climb up there and tell all these crazy stories about, um, you know, people having things happen to them in there, <laughs> all these crazy things in the Ghost barn. stories. We'd have <laughs> Halloween parties in there and not have to decorate and stuff. So it was really cool. Anyway, about... Eight years ago, I decided that I needed a real studio. So we took about 10 months to convert the barn into my studio, which was a very, very pivotal moment in my art career. Because prior to that, I was a stay-at-home mom, raised my kids, very involved in their schools, volunteer work, you know, taking care of all those things. It was doing my art, but not to the level that I wanted to, should have been, or could have been. Um, so anyway, when I got my own studio, um, it was super exciting and I started to become very prolific and I was in there all the time doing a lot of work. And um, I started doing different things, teaching a little bit, having paint nights. And then I started connecting with other artists in the area. And about five years ago, I started hosting pop-ups twice a year in the fall and in the spring. And at first it was just myself and my neighbor. Then it was me and three other people. So fall of 2019, so the fall right before everything happened with COVID, I had had my most recent pop-up with about 20 female artists. Mm. So those were actually pretty incredible and were gaining a lot of traction. I was getting a lot of people interested in joining us and the one in last spring was gonna be even bigger, maybe with like 30 or 40 women, I was gonna expand further out into my yard. Um, and it became a real event. I mean, I had the lights put up that hung down and we'd have candles at night and uh, everybody had their own table set up and I was in my barn and it would be open and we would serve wine at night and appetizers. And it was a real event for not only the artist the customers, but for my neighborhood as well. You know, it, it was just really super fun. Made great connections to the community uh, with other artists. And so just a really, really super dynamic event. And I was really looking forward and starting to kind of plan again for the spring. So you talked about pivoting. So that was the first thing that was like, hmm, not gonna be able to have the pop-up, you know? <laughs> so that was really kind of the first, I think, like, when I realized, you know, things are really different and this is gonna impact my, my art, my practice, my social life as an artist and how I connect and communicate with other artists um, in the area. So anyway, I did kind of get into a little bit of a funk in the beginning of quarantine. I think a lot of people did. I was thrilled to have all four of my children home. My two older daughters are um, young adults out of college and working. One's in California and one is in, um, one's in San Francisco, one's in Denver. And then one of my sons is at Penn State. So we only had one child at home, a senior in high school. And then all of a sudden I had all four of my babies home. So I loved <laughs> that part. I love, love, love that part. There was a lot of Netflix, late night Netflix. <laughs> and there was a lot of early afternoon drinking and we were having a grand old time. But, <laughs> And all my other commitments kind of fell by the wayside. You know, I didn't have to volunteer at, at the high school and that got dropped. And I didn't have to have that um, big party I was supposed to have in May, you know, from the gala at our school. And then I wasn't having the pop-up. So theoretically I had all this time on my hands and I should have been a creative powerhouse in my studio, but I really did kind of get into that funk. I, I kind of lost my mojo and I really was enjoying the time with our whole family being here and, and that bonding that hadn't taken place in, in many, many years since my oldest daughter left for college. So I had a lot of gratitude about that part, but I had a lot of um, uncertainty and, you know, a little bit of sadness about 
and guilt about not being in my born studio and not working like I should have been or could have been given all this time I had on my hands. Mm -hmm. So that was um, the beginning, you know, that lasted from probably, you know, March, middle of March, probably till late April. And then we had something, unfortunately, that happened in our family. My mother-in-law actually, uh, my 82-year-old mother-in-law actually passed away from, from COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really difficult. So she, um, my husband's mom, and she was on dialysis and had been on dialysis for about three years. So we had to take care of her. It's not like she was in a nursing home where we, you know, were forced to stay away from her. She was living on her own and she Mm. needed to get to dialysis three days a week. So I was her primary caregiver for those, you know, seven or eight weeks, you know, probably starting in in February, um, early February, when we started hearing some murmurings about this. So she ended up getting sick in the middle of April. Um, were you like fully away. aware at that point of like what it was? Cause I mean, that was still like early. Yes, we were. I mean, okay. like, like right, like right away, the place I would drop her off at dialysis would check my temperature every time I dropped her mm. off and hers. And, you know, she and I would both wear masks in the car. At first she was sitting in the front seat with me, but then I made her start sitting in the back seat. So we were, yeah. pre- we were protecting her um, to the highest level of our ability, but, and we don't really know where she got it. We're assuming maybe it was from her dialysis center. She got it. Then I got it. Then my older daughter got it. Long story short, it went through our household and we all ended up with the antibodies. So we all got tested in early May for the antibodies. That was a big bonus. But so that was a difficult time for our family. My husband and my mother-in-law were very close and she was extremely close to myself and all four of my children. She watched them grow up here. So that took its toll on our family as well. And I think, I think the fact that I was in a little bit of a rut in March and April was due to the fact that I did have a lot of stress and worry in taking care of her. And worrying about keeping her as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we got through that part. It was very sad. Um, You know, and then you couldn't really have a funeral, all this stuff. So I don't want to get too bogged down in that part. But, but, you know, it it hit us. We understand, you know, the seriousness of it very well because we lived through it firsthand. Um, So anyway, back to just my role. Things in the beginning of, of May... Um, we all started to feel better. You know, we, we accepted what had happened to my mother-in-law. We, we knew that, you know, she would want us to, to, to honor her by moving forward and being safe and and living our life and being fruitful. So just kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other. Um, And then that's when everything kind of, I'll let you get maybe to your next question, but that's when everything with Miss Prince and Masterpieces kind of started coming into play for me a little bit. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Miss Prince of Masterpieces because um, okay. a kind of another facet of everything that you do, but um, that's something that people can actually like look, you know, look up and see and, and, and kind of dive into a little bit. Sure. Sure. So um, while I was in this kind of creative funk, I was starting to Um, do things with some prints that I had made. I had some angel wings and I have a print of Mother Teresa. And I started, you know, offering those up on Instagram for free, saying to people, you know, I'm giving away 10 prints of these angel wings. Um, If you want to nominate somebody that you would like to give these to, is someone you know alone? Is someone you know um, a frontline worker? Tell me their story in the comments and I'm going to choose, you know, 10 people to give these to. So that was really the first part of this kind of trajectory I ended up on. And the response was overwhelming. I pro- I've got, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of people writing to me about their sister, their cousin, their friend, their grandmother, their mother who was alone. Um, someone was a nurse working long hours and it was really beautiful. And so after I gave away those, I think I ended up giving away closer to 10, 15 or 20 of the angel <laughs> wings because some of the, the comments were so compelling that I, um, then I started getting a lot of requests for people that wanted to either buy the angel wings or buy the Mother Teresa print to give to people. So prints were just flying out of my house. I couldn't keep up with the demand. And that was good for me because I was being creative even while I was kind of in this rut. 
So it was, it was prints of like original pieces that you- It was prints of, exactly. It was prints of two or three of my original pieces. And I was hand embellishing them with gold leaf and things like that. So I was putting my hand in there and I was feeling somewhat creative, but not like I normally am. So then anyway, after a little while, I just started thinking about how lucrative these prints were and how many people wanted them and what the demand was. Um, prints are a unique thing for artists because- um, you know, we create our originals. Our originals can be very expensive and out of reach for some people, um, myself included. Sometimes I fall in love with an artist and I reach out to them and maybe I can't afford the art at that moment. So I might buy one of their prints to kind of satiate me for a little while until I can justify buying an original. <laughs> so um, prints is something that a lot of artists talk about. Who does your prints? Where do you get your prints? What kind of paper is that? You know, it's something that we all talk about because mm -hmm. if you're going to make prints of your work, you want it of the highest quality. You want great paper. You want it to be a very clear image. You want it not to be pixelated. You want the color saturation to be spot on. So there's a lot of things to think about. And price is a concern. Mm -hmm. uh, having prints made can be very um, expensive. Mm -hmm. Just to have your work scanned can be cost prohibitive for many people. So anyway, I just started thinking about the idea of prints and I had a domain name that I had saved from a long time ago called Miss Prince and Masterpieces, M-I-S-S and Masterpieces. <laughs> and it was an idea I had a long time ago. I was going to do a business when my kids were little with their artwork and, you know, Aww. blow it up onto these massive scale, you know, that you could hang in your house like a Jean Basquiat, you know, kind of <laughs> also, right? Because a lot of kids artwork people say you know go into a museum and see abstract art and say oh that looks like something my three-year-old did but it <laughs> yeah. was, looks pretty fabulous when it's five feet by five feet you know <laughs> so anyway I came up with the name Misprints and Masterpieces for that business about 12 years ago and I secured the domain name but I never did anything with it because I was raising my kids and you know I just kind of got put on the back burner so when this idea with these prints, and I'm selling all these prints and I'm thinking, mm, prints, business, I'm like, I have this domain name. I'm gonna, maybe I should do something with it. But you know, I already have my website, Angie Kilcullen Art, that features all of my original art and I didn't wanna meld the two. So then I started thinking, and this is where all my pop-ups and the fact that I love this kind of community of women that I created, I started thinking, what if I kind of took that idea that I had with my pop-ups, female artists, helping support, promote, encourage female artists, but I pivoted to this new business where I create a website, I create a platform, I source female artists and I bring them into this platform and we only sell prints of our work. Mm -hmm. So of course I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we always think that right in the middle of the night until we wake up the next morning and we're like, oh God. Anyway, so I pitched it to my older daughters who are very savvy, very hip, very smart. And they're <laughs> like, mom, I think it's a great idea. So then I was like, well, I've got to pitch this to a couple of my artist friends because that's who I need them. You know, that's who I need. This is actually going to happen. So basically that's what I did first. I, before I really did anything, I reached out to a couple of my close artist girlfriends and I just pitched the idea to them, told them what I was thinking and they loved it. And they're like, I'm on board, I'll do anything with you. And again, it was people that had kind of been with me for these three or four years, knew that I was a very, very hard worker. I'm very trustworthy, I'm, I'm loyal. Um, I'm a person of my word. And um, so I really appreciated the positive feedback that I got early on and I just decided to go for it. And um, I had already created a couple of websites um, from my, you know, I created a couple of websites for myself. I'd created one for my mother. She's an entrepreneur also. And so I was very comfortable with that part. So. I use Wix for my website. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of really good um, website, you know, host providers Builders, out there. Yeah. Weebly, Shopify. Um, so my advice would be for, you know, and we could talk about that maybe later, what my advice would I be. I do there. that too. Yeah. I yeah. have, I, my site is on Squarespace. So. Oh, you, yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what I love about Wix is that I can change things 10 times in two minutes and just publish it. I can change photos, text, 
you know, anything I want. So I do love how user-friendly that these platforms are now. You don't need to understand any coding or anything. So I basically just started creating a website on Wix. So I had a lot of different things going on at once. It was crazy. I mm -hmm. literally don't really, I mean, when I look back from May to October 2nd, when I launched, it's kind <laughs> of a big blur. It's a big blur. I mean, if I worked one hour a day, I, I was working on average eight to 10 hours a day. I was waking up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. with things running through my head, to-do lists, getting up, writing, sometimes staying up at four, sometimes just waking up at six, going to bed at midnight. Um, but I loved it. I mean, yeah. it really kept me busy. It kept my mind off of what was going on out there. And, you know, I'm a very social animal. I need people. I feed off of people. I get energy from being around people but you couldn't do that. And so this really gave me a purpose every day and energized me. And I was reaching out to all these artists. I was looking at tons of art on Instagram and sourcing these artists. So it was really, really energizing for me at that point um, in, in the early um, planning and organizational and kind of laying the foundation stages. Isn't uh, it kind of crazy? Like, because I use Instagram a lot too. Yep. I don't know honestly, what I would do without Instagram. Like, I feel like I've found so many amazing vendors. I mean, like I just got engaged recently. So I found some of my, <laughs> my engagement photographers that way, like right. use that way. I mean, I don't know. It's just an amazing platform. It, it really is. I mean, yeah. it's scary because every now and then you'll hear people saying if Instagram goes away or you know what I mean? Or if your site, if, if God forbid your I don't know, what do you call site, your username, whatever mm -hmm. crashes. I mean, I just have one of my artists, unfortunately, that just inboxed me today from another website and hers has just kind of gone dead. She had over 10,000 followers Ugh. and she's trying to prove that it's her and get her site back. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's all very scary because we do rely so heavily on it. It is a wonderful, amazing tool, but you know, we're, we're married to it right now. We're in yeah. bed with it, you know, <laughs> and, uh, in a manner of speaking, so, but yeah, a plethora of information, a wealth of information and opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and resources um, on the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's like one of the biggest ways when I was kind of starting out with my site, um, because the concept behind Ellie Jean Collective is so similar, like right. in terms of having, you know, female artists, handmade, handcrafted products, things like that. So um, and, and it's very visual too. And I think that's one of the things like I, you know, when I started the concept behind my site, it was like, I want to be an Etsy, but I want to be like a curated version, you know, right? necessarily like Etsy. It's like, if you order something, you could get it in a month, you could get it in two months. Like you never know exactly when you're going to get it. You don't know what the quality is going to be. Like nobody's vetting that stuff. The branding is not consistent. So right. it was like, you know, I want to make sure every single product I have on the site is something I would wear, I would use, like it's handcrafted, but it's also like quality and it'll last for a long time. So right. Right. That's, yeah, you know, exactly. And I, I, I love that when I read about what you're doing too, because I do feel that we're very much in, in simpatico in, in our approach and in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and for me, it's funny, you say a small Etsy or a, a curated Etsy, and I feel the same exact way. Mm -hmm. you know, I say that we are curated art prints by female artists with affordable pricing. Yeah. All that is very important. And you know, you have a lot of platforms out there. You have Society Six, you have Redbubble, you yep. have all these platforms out there that do very much what I'm doing, but I consider this to be like like you said, it's smaller, it's curated. Anyone can join Redbubble, anyone can go on Society Six, but our art is curated. I have a personal relationship now with all 50 of our female artists. Mm -hmm. we, we are DMing constantly. They're telling me private things. I'm telling them private things. We're establishing a relationship. I, I personally care about each one of them. And I think they know that they feel that in working with me. Um, and so I think of like my site is like maybe like a little boutique 
mm-hmm. you know, a boutique site for art prints, you know, and now we're offering more than art prints. We started off as prints because I needed to start off as simple and basic as possible. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we started off by just offering art prints on paper. And then we transitioned to canvas clays, which is just a print on canvas. Mm. And then we've introduced three other products in the last couple of months before Christmas, um, phone cases uh, with our images printed on the back mm. that are actually quite fabulous. And then laptop cases with our images printed on. And, and one of our most popular items right now that we just um, introduced before Thanksgiving and was a huge Christmas Hanukkah presents were these really cool totes. I don't know if you saw those on our site. So our images are printed on the front and the back. I wish I had one to show you right now, but because, well, people don't know this, but you and I are looking at each other. Yeah. Anyway, I wish I had one to show you right now, but they're fabulous. These totes with really cool, different color straps, very lightweight, but very, very sturdy. So, you know, trying to slowly increase our product line, but not too much to where people are overwhelmed by what we have to offer. But um, it is really exciting to be able to kind of hand pick and hand curate the products on your site, Mm -hmm. which is what you and I are both doing, you Mm -hmm. know? And I feel like it's more meaningful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I also feel like, um, I feel like being female too plays a giant role in what we're both doing. And I'm just curious how you feel that impacts what you are doing with all of this. Being being female, being a woman, mm-hmm. sure. Hugely impacts. I mean, yeah. I really feel, you know, as I've gotten older, um, I mean, you you see the disparities, you really do, especially in the art world. I mean, female artists are highly underrepresented in the art world and museums and galleries just across the board. And so part of what I've been trying to do for the last five or six years is just create my own platforms, whether Mm -hmm. it was a pop-up show or, you know, a, 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 a barn. I used to have these barn sales with my neighbor. We would do furniture and art, which was a little different than the pop-ups. And then what I'm doing now is just kind of elevating females elevating for me female creatives right now but I you know because I was a stay-at-home mom for most of my children's early formative years um it's really important to me now for my four children I have two older girls and two two boys to see me working and to see me having a career um because I know that it matters to them and I know that they see me and I know that they care and I know that they're proud of me. So that's one thing being a woman that I'm just trying to show my daughters and my sons um, what I can do and what I can achieve and what I have achieved by, you know, kind of um, having a goal, having a vision and then seeing it to fruition, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think just I love, oh, I love people. I mean, it's part of my culture again, growing up in Southwest Louisiana and Cajun country. Um, we love people. We love to entertain. We love to eat. We love to drink. We, we just love to have a good time. And so um, I, I love women and I, I have so many wonderful, dear girlfriends in my life and they are of extreme importance to me and I relate really, really well to and with women. So when I decided to do this originally, I did for like a hot minute, <laughs> think about doing men and women. I was like, Miss Prince and Masterpiece, I'll do men and women. And I was like, oh, hell to the no. Yeah. And nothing against you guys out there. I tell you, I have a very supportive husband, supportive sons, and we've had very supportive people on our site. But mm-hmm. And I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, but I just decided, you know, at the end of the day, I decided I wanted it to just be women because that's what I was probably most comfortable with, to be honest. And I just felt like I owe it to kind of the sisterhood, my, the girl gang, you know, my art girl gang. So that, that's really, um, I just think being a woman, I think the world that we live in today, what happened yesterday, I think I think our time is coming and I think we just have to grasp it and go with it and just like let it happen. And I, I couldn't be happier with, with, um, 
what I've created and where it's headed and with the woman that I brought on. Oh, so that makes me want to laugh. So in planning all this, I started joking that I was creating a fempire instead of (laughs) my fempire. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, I needed an accountant and my husband and I have an accountant, but he's a man (laughs) because of what I'm about to say. So I knew I needed an accountant for my business. So I said to my husband, well, do you think I should go see, you know, who? And he's like, no, you can't have some old white man. (laughs) You have a vampire to create. And I was like, thank you for that. You're right. (laughs) So, you know, I have a female accountant. Um, Early on, I hired these just two kick-ass young women that were older friends of my older daughters. And they were kind of in a little bit of a career shift back in May. And so they helped me, you know, I hired them hourly. I'm like, just keep track of your hours and I'll pay you. My two older daughters have been very important in helping me. So I'm bringing on as many women as I can. Um, We're all learning together, you know, through this learning curve of a new business, which I'm sure you can totally relate to. You and I could probably have another, another talk about just that, right? Yes. Starting continued so continued yeah what you wish you knew before I don't know I woke up many many nights at like 4 a.m and thought what in the hell have I started you know but at that point I already had 50 artists in my pipeline and they were waiting for me to launch and I was like what was I thinking because there were a lot of things I had to deal with like international Mm -hmm. shipping and that taxes and, you know, getting my federal tax ID for this business and sales tax and, and, you know, just, and all the subscription services, you know, Mm -hmm. MailChimp and Eversign. So my artists can sign their contracts electronically. So there were like so many things that kept me up at night and that were out of my wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. pulling in these young girls that were just really sharp and smart and had done a lot of this in their previous jobs mm-hmm. we just all learned together and we all had our own to do an action item list whichever was our strengths we would just kind of divide and conquer and and they were very pivotal these two young women and my two daughters as well were very pivotal in kind of helping me get off the ground from mm-hmm. early on Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. I mean, I think like when you talk about the element of like making sure that you're always reaching back, I mean, I think especially now, um, you know, by the time this podcast episode airs, we'll be uh, a little bit removed from the inauguration, but yeah. speaking now, you know, it's something that's very recent. And so when you look at, you know, Kamala Harris and the the herstory that we're making right now, um, you can kind of see, you know, one of the famous quotes that she always talks about that that her mother told her was like, you may be the first woman to do many things, but just make sure you're not the last. And I think that that is so important as we talk about, you know, um, women in business and starting your own business and helping other women, like that's always been, you know, the goal. And I think coming into Washington DC and being in this area, it can be tough because it's competitive. People are in business, they're in the process of making their careers. And so sometimes you're so focused on that, that you forget, you know, that it's also part of your um, job, I believe, to reach back and help the people that, you know, like I've always had great mentors in my life. I've always felt like I was lucky to have that um, both in my full-time job and also just in my life in general. You know, I have friends that are close friends that I've had for a really long time and I feel like really know me and are able to provide that mirror, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. kind of need it the most. But, you know, I always try to make sure that in any room that I'm in, I'm asking the opinion of women in that room because I do feel like that was one thing that, um, I always, you know, wanted or maybe needed from the women that I was working with and I was lucky enough to have that. So I always want to make sure that I'm providing that sure to other women as well. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cliche when you hear, you know, we're stronger together and all these things, but it really is true. Mm -hmm. We have nothing to gain by bringing other women down. We only have something to gain by really helping each other, lifting each other up, cheering each other on is really Mm -hmm. all it's about because as long as it's authentic, I'm a big, I love that word and I value that word authentic. Um, 
you know, I get a lot of DMs in my inbox. Oh, hi, you know, from people that don't know me. Um, right. Um, I'm following these 10 women. And if you follow them too, um, we'll all comment on each other. And, and I think that's great. And I understand that a lot of people need to do that for support. But, you know, I don't feel right about doing that unless I connect with your work. Mm-hmm. You know, do I enjoy what you're doing? Um, is it something that I'm attracted to? Um, it doesn't make it any less valuable. It's of just that I want to be authentic in my um, responses, my comments, my likes, my shares. And so I, you know, it's easy to do. You just kind of find your tribe. And when you, and you know, and, and even if someone's not in your tribe, again, it's a cliche, but if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything, but you can always find something nice to say. I mean, it, it's, it, we need to lift each other up. Everybody's struggling right now, whether you're showing it or not, I'm, I'm struggling, you know, we're, everybody's struggling in some way. And, and I just feel like little comment here, little pat on the back there, little encouragement here. Everybody can use that, but it's especially important if it's actually authentic, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can always find something to say to someone to lift them up. That's authentic. You know what I mean? If you, if you dig deep enough, it's not that hard to do, you know, um, but I, I, I printed up this thing after what you were just talking about of that quote. And I, I love this thing and I read this a lot. And it, it's, I don't even know, it's this thing that I printed probably from somewhere off Instagram, but it doesn't have like <laughs> a name at the bottom, but the first part is all scratched out. So all this part is gonna be scratched out like a line through it, but it says, we are not interested. Her story is not original enough. The market is oversaturated. She does not have enough followers. Her writing is not different enough. We are going to pass this time. This is not the right fit. And then at the very bottom, not scratched out says, do, do it anyway. anyway. And you know, and and it's true. And that's kind of where you and I are right now. The market is oversaturated. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and there are a lot of people doing what we're doing, but we're gonna do it anyway. And we're gonna do it a little bit different. And we're gonna do it uh, very authentically and honestly and with a lot of integrity. And then you just hope for the best. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, I think. Exactly. I also feel like too, you know, one of the things that I've always said about my business that I feel like 100% is true is that when you do things with authenticity and you do it like, you know, just kind of born out of a passion that you have. And it's so true to who you are as a person. And it's, you know, your business is just an extension of yourself. What you create, is something that nobody else could have created and we can duplicate because it is, you know, a direct representation of who you are. And so, yes, there may be people that are doing things that are similar. There may be people who have a similar aesthetic. There may be people who, you know, are doing whatever it is that they're doing. But at the end of the day, the difference maker between us and between them is just us. Like it's us as an individual. It's what we wake up and decide every day. You know, it's the choices that we make, our morals, the reason why, you know, we do the things that we do. And so I would be doing what I'm doing right now in my personal life, even if I didn't have a business. I would be supporting women. I would be advertising women. I'd be promoting them. I would right. buy things from them. Like it would be something that I would do anyway, but it just so happens to be something that I also do as my business. And I think that's a key part of it too, is creating that extension of yourself. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. Right. (laughs) You'll get there eventually. Like the point is that you just have to do it. I mean, I think that's the point where a lot of people get stuck is like, I don't know where to start. It's not perfect. I don't want to put this version of myself out there. You know, whatever it is, like there's any fears. And this is something else that I talk about a lot in, in some of these podcast episodes too, is like fear being the motivator. Like you talk right. about waking up in the middle of the night and like, just being like, Oh, I have all these. Yep. And I think that's a feeling that anybody who's listening can relate to, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're just a businesswoman or whether you have a full-time career or you're a stay-at-home mom or what, like everyone wakes up in the middle of the night with this, ah, moment. Yep. Um, and so you can't let that be the thing that like stops you from moving forward. Otherwise you're never going to move forward with anything. 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 Fear can be a great motivator, you know, and for me, it was the fear of failure early on because I had made promises to all these artists, you know, <laughs> uh, while I was, I was creating the website, I was creating a contract. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't know what I was doing, but I looked up a couple of, of contracts and I, I started writing out terms and I started thinking, okay, if someone came to me and asked me to join them in this, you know, quote unquote partnership, what would be my questions to the person that's leading it? And I started from there and, you know, I was sending this copy of the contract to all these artists when I was kind of courting them, you know, and sourcing them and saying, this is a rough draft of the contract, but this is what you can expect from me. And this is what I can expect from you. But, you know, I had, you know, two artists, then I had 20, then I had 42, you know, now we're at about 50. I put the brakes on around Christmas and I'm getting ready to I have a lot in the pipeline that we're starting to vet um, to keep growing. But um, so how do you do that, by the way? How do you sure. No, I, So anyway, but that because I had these artists counting me that I had, you know, made promises to fear was a great motivator. Like, oh, shit, I got to really make this happen. There's no yeah. turning back now. Um, so how do I source them right now? Um in the beginning, the sourcing was just going to my friends whose who's work that I loved and admired. And I felt um, fit in well with the aesthetic that I was trying to create. Mm -hmm. um, so started with my girlfriends that I knew and, and then branched out to other artists kind of that I had been following for a while that we had built up a rapport on Instagram. I'd maybe never met them, but I loved their work. And we were already supporting each other via Instagram. Um, that was the second layer of, of um, female artists that I reached out to. The third layer was what I call cold calls. <laughs> I just started, you know, delving into all these sites or, or no, not, um, you know, um, users that are, you know, I like can't even pages. think what I'm trying to say. Yeah, just people that were doing stuff, maybe promoting female artists or highlighting female artists. There's a lot of different um, collections out there that are online collections and just started looking. And, you know, I was going after artists that I felt didn't sell a lot of their prints already and that would be open to, to working with me. And then I would just send them a private DM um, I do laugh about the early days. So you slid I, into their DMs. Is that what you I did? slid into their DMs? <laughs> but what I was doing in the beginning, which I laugh about now, is I was DMing them from my misprints and masterpieces Instagram mm -hmm. page. I mean, at the time, I probably had like twenty-five followers. You know, and I'm promising all these things. Oh, would you like to join us? I'm creating this collection of curated female, and people were probably like lady, you have 25 followers. I'm not following you anywhere. And then I was like, okay, Angie, you're an idiot. Email them from your, your, your other art account, because I have like, you know, 40, you know, 4,000 followers. Well, that was a lot more successful. <laughs> I got a lot more responses when I DM'd from that account. So lesson learned, you know, you live and you learn. That was, what do you call that? It was a rookie move on my part. Yeah. So anyway, I really, it was really just reaching out. And I would say, you know, there were some people that never responded to me, you know, um, and I would wait about three weeks and then I would say, hey, I do not want to bother you. And then this is the last time I reach out to you, but I'm just wondering if you saw, I would say about 80% responded to me. That's um, a good sometimes they would say, um, I'm interested, tell me more. And I would send them a copy of the contract. And sometimes they'd say, I'm very interested. I'd like to sign on. And sometimes they'd say, it's not a good time for me right now. Like a lot of people were juggling a lot because, you yeah. know, I mean, people were teaching remote. People were taking care of their elderly parents, stressed about their elderly parents, kids home from school. So, you know, there were a lot of things going on in these artists' lives that had been kind of uprooted, you know, in the, the months preceding, and they weren't able to. And I was very gracious. They were gracious to me, and I was gracious to them and said, mm -hmm. I love your work. I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. and the offer for you to join us will, will stand. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that is how we originally sourced our artists. Okay. Moving forward, um, I have what I call a curatorial committee of five. So I'm I'm one of them. So it's two. So it's it's um it's rotating two artists and two non-artists that help me with the decisions when we're vetting new artists. So I'll have new artists that will reach out to me and say, hey, I'd like to become part of your collection. I'd like to learn more. And so what we do is we keep a running list um, of who those artists are. And I've put everyone off until after the new year because yeah. the last two months of 20, you know, well, the last four months of 2020 were crazy for me, you know, with ramping up and, and then the Christmas rush um, and getting our products out there. So now we're getting ready. Um, my current artists are re-signing contracts and we're gonna shake up the website a little bit. We're gonna pull some work off and put new work on from my existing artists. And then we are gonna start vetting new artists probably in the next month. And so what that, the reason I chose five is because it's an odd number, it'll be easy. It'll be majority rules if we deem an artist to fit in with our aesthetic for you know, the work to be something that we can sell because we're already kind of starting to understand our clientele and what they're looking for by, um, by what's being purchased. And, and we're assessing all that information as well. Um, and, you know, we need, the biggest thing is that this is a partnership. Mm -hmm. I may be, you know, the founder and well, I'm everything. <laughs> I'm the marketing, as you know, I'm the marketing person. I'm the administrator. I'm the secretary. I go get the coffee. Right. <laughs> I, got, I, got coffee. I should have my coffee cup, but they wouldn't be able to see me. But one of my best friends bought me a coffee mug that looks very much like this. And it says, I'm a fucking professional. See, I knew I was going to get the F word in there. I'm so sorry. You can bleep me out. But anyway, I love that because you know, I, I, like you, we're wearing all the hats right now because I can't afford right now to hire anybody else. I would love to have someone to help me with marketing, you know, just to, and I'm sure you, you understand this too. I love social media. I love posting, responding. I love doing everything on Instagram and Facebook and sending out MailChimp's, but it's beyond that. It's, be, yeah. it's the world wide web. It's the search engine. It's, you know, all that stuff that I don't understand and I'm not good at and that I need, you know, eventually to hire someone to kind of take me to the next level yeah. with all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that's the hardest thing. And I was going to ask you about that is like, how do you feel like you gained some of your following? Do you feel like it was just through having your physical events and this being a natural extension of that? Or how did you kind of promote yourself in the beginning? Um, yes and no. So, you know, um, I'm fortunate that I built a very slow organic following on my regular page, Angie mm -hmm. Kilcullen Art. Um, you know, I started that probably six years ago, maybe, and I'm at about 4,200 followers. Would I love twice that? Yes. But I'm okay with those numbers because I want everyone who chooses to follow me to follow me because they saw my work and they like what I'm doing and they, they value and they enjoy what they're seeing. And mm -hmm. I feel the same way about misprints and masterpieces. So really just, I tried promoting some posts in the beginning, but it just wasn't getting the right traction. And I just felt like it was useless. It was maybe a little bit too early. I don't, I don't know why. Um, one way that we've gained followers, um, well, I promote a lot of content. I'm very comfortable promoting a lot of content. I'll post three, four times a day sometimes on my feed because it's not my work. I'm right. promoting other people's work. So it feels natural and it feels good. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like I'm being braggadocious or, oh my God, all right, already. You know what I mean? We have, we have so much different content and different types of art and different options that I could post that much in a day, you know, so it's easy. So I promote more content. I tag my artist. They'll share it on their stories. We do a lot in our stories. Um, and then the other thing that's been really helpful with gaining followers is through giveaways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll partner with one of my artists and we'll, we'll do a giveaway of one of their products that of course, you know, I, I, um, 
I pay for all that. I pay for all the marketing and the promotions and everything, but, but we partner together because it's their work and they can put it on their page because clearly their followers already love their work. And then we can bring some of their followers over to our collective page, you know? So it's been a really very steady organic growth. I, I started the, my Instagram page uh, early or middle of May. And I think we're at maybe around 1300 followers right now, give or take. Wow. That's great. uh, Yeah. But again, very slow, very authentic, very organic, and really just, you know, every follower is an important follower because, um, you know, if, if you promote me on your page and, and, um, the person who decides to follow us might see one of our artists and buy something from them. We've had something I'm kind of proud of is I've had three of my artists that have sold original works to some of our followers since we launched. Wow. Yeah. Like original work, really beautiful, nice stuff. And I've bought a couple pieces of original work from a few <laughs> of our artists as well. So here I am selling prints and we I'm buying original and work. They were all me. Is that okay? Exactly. So, you know, I, I love that we're selling prints of our work, but I'm still all about promoting my artist's original work. If my artist is having a flash sale or they're doing a pop-up in their hometown or they're, you know, running something that has nothing to do with our website, I'm still going to post them in my stories because I want them to succeed as an artist and as a human being. And that's really what it's all about. You know, I'm in partnership with them and it's kind of a holistic partnership is the way I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I think that's, once again, it goes back to that aspect of like, you know, helping others, reaching back your hand to help Mm -hmm. because that's really what it's all about. And at the end of the day, it's kind of how we're all going to succeed. Yep. Um, I was going to ask you too, like, how do you hope that ultimately misprints and masterpieces helps other people? Um, helps other people. Well, first, I guess I would talk about my artists. Um, you know, this has been a difficult time for a lot, a lot of people, the, the, the world, you know, people, people are struggling and, um, in one way or another, but a lot of people are struggling financially. And a lot of my artists, this is their livelihood. Mm -hmm. This is their day job, you know? Um, So impactfully, I hope that I'm making a difference in their bottom line, you know? Um, Whether they're selling through me or selling because we're creating partnerships um, and other people are seeing their work and maybe buying from them on the side. So first, I really hope that I'm maybe financially, in, you know, helpful, helpfully, hopefully impacting these artists. And also, I think emotionally, mm-hmm. um, because this is a time of struggle for many and not just physical, but emotional and mental struggle um, is alive and well right now, unfortunately. And um, I think by creating this platform and this community of women we're supporting each other so you know part of what is in their contract is promotion and Mm -hmm. support I expect them all to follow each other Mm -hmm. I expect them to comment and like each other's post and to share and they do Mm -hmm. And we I have um, separate DM groups because you can only have a certain amount of people on in a DM group, which kind of sucks. But anyway, so we DM there all the time and and we we support each other and we tell each other what's going on. You know, if if someone's got a podcast or if someone's doing, you know, a live interview, um, if someone's going live on Instagram, you know, we'll tell each other and we'll be there for each other, even if it's just somebody saying hi from hi from France to one of my artists in Kansas City, you know, so I'm hoping that it's having a positive emotional impact on these female artists as well to feel like they're not alone in in this fight and that we are there for for each other and that we're going to all come out, come out of it you know stronger together on you know on the other side so and then i think one, one more thing and then to my customers my amazing customers <laughs> um, cannot thank them enough um, and I hope that we're impacting their life by bringing beautiful art into their lives. Because as you know, art 
energizes, it heals, it comforts, it makes you question. You know, so a lot of my artists have beautiful images of women that make you feel empowered. Mm -hmm. um, some of my artists um, do work that has more of a social justice um, undertones, mm -hmm. makes you think or question. Some of my artists are abstract with these mm -hmm. beautiful images that are calming. So I hope that we are also um, in turn bringing these, you know, lovely, awesome, energizing images into people's homes, into their hands. Like, where's my cell phone case? I love my cell phone case. I have to show you how cute it is. But like, this is one of my artists. Um, she's from Romania. And it's like, uh, how would you describe it, Angie, for those who can't see? You know, it? she's asked me that before. It, <laughs> she's a figurative artist because she draws the figure, but yep. she abstracts it out. And, yeah. but it's not abstracted to the point that you can't tell where it is. It's very colorful. She puts a lot of designs and lines and squiggles and shapes. Mm -hmm. So it's also very organic mm -hmm. and, and happy. I love her work. And she's definitely yeah. one of my more popular artists. Her, um, her Instagram handle is um, at art on the moon, but you know, so you can walk around with this. When people see me with this, they're like, oh my God, that's beautiful. I love it. So, I mean, this makes me happy when I see this, when I'm on my phone, you know? So I hope that we're, we're doing that for people, bringing, bringing more beauty into their lives, especially right now, you know? I have your next thing. I think you should do masks next. Ooh, I know. I, I thought about that. Yeah, because please tell me, no, aren't those going away soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's okay. why I was like, it's a temporary thing, but I honestly don't know how temporary it is. Are they ever going away? I said that to my husband recently. I'm like, are we going to have, am I going to have to have a mask in my purse for the rest of my life? Probably. I, mean, I don't it's know. Possible. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So you I know what? You might be onto something. Yeah. Because I, that's how I felt too. I'm like, oh, like, man, these are going to go away soon. Right. Like, I don't want to have to deal with this. I know it's like the longer that we're in this the more I'm like I don't know and even I mean back in the day you would see people traveling internationally with masks and you were always like that's kind of strange like yep. and now I'm like it totally makes sense like you know, know. I'm gonna be one of those people and I'm the opposite of a germaphobe you know yeah. but we're at the point now where I'm like I'm not taking any chances so I know it's gonna take a while I think before we feel comfortable you know getting on like say getting on an airplane or sitting next to people at a concert or in a crowded restaurant or a bar, you know, all those things. Cause I'm not either. I'm like, bring it on. I'm a hugger. I hug everybody. I hug strangers, but you know, <laughs> that's been really hard for me too, because me too. I haven't been able to do that lately. I could get arrested if I try to hug a stranger right now. <laughs> I know that's how I feel too. I'm like, they, I saw today that they um, are reopening DC indoor dining. I think it's like 25% capacity. Right. But I was like, yes, like, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. We have so many friends in the restaurant industry and I just don't even know. I know it's painful. Yeah. It's painful. But, um, okay. So last question I was going to ask you is what do you see for the future of, um, Miss Prince of Masterpieces and also for your own art? I mean, where do you want to be, you know, sure. in an ideal in an ideal world? Sure. Um, I'll start with my own work. Um, you know, my kids are grown. As I said, my youngest is, he's 18. He's a senior in high school. So I have a lot of time on my hands now more than I ever have in my life. And so I just want to, for my own work, keep producing really high quality work that I feel very good about. Um, my goal the past couple of years has been to get into some um, galleries not, not to ha be represented by a gallery, that is not one of my goals, but just to get in different exhibitions and shows, which I think is really fun, just to get that exposure and to kind of just get my work out there. And sometimes, well, in the olden days, we used to be able to travel to the exhibition and go to the opening <laughs> night. <laughs> those are really fun. Like your art. Yeah, exactly. Olden days. So, you know, those are fun. Art openings are fun. What can I say? So that's one of my goals is to just really kind of ramp that up again. That, that took a hit. I haven't really been uh, applying to any um, or submitting to any open calls lately, but I want to, I want to do that again. My dream would be to participate. Well, I like participating in group shows. So either participating in a small group show with two or three other artists where I could have four or five or six of my pieces. And my dream would be to have a solo show somewhere, um, ideally in, in the DC area. So 
that's something I really need to work on um, person in my, you know, my personal um, life and my art practice. Those things take a while. You have to apply uh, with, you know, I need to have professional photos taken of my work because I have a lot of 3D work that I'm not able to take really mm -hmm. good photos of because you have to submit your current work uh, with a proposal, your, your artist statement. And then you could have two, it could be two years out your show to help you prepare and get enough pieces for the show. So that's my dream is to have a solo show. So it, it's gonna be on record right now, okay? In the next two <laughs> years, Allie, I would love to have a solo show. Anybody out there who's listening. All right, okay. well, <laughs> And then for and Masterpieces, really just to keep scaling up, but doing it um, at a reasonable level that I can handle, growing my fempire. Um, I would love to be able to, you know, hire people that work for me on a regular basis, whether it was maybe two days a week that I could, you know, support someone um, part time that would be able to come in and help me with a lot of um, administrative tasks that I don't really um, enjoy doing or want to do. I would rather mm -hmm. focus on the marketing and the sourcing of, of new artists. Um, one of my goals with this business is to get more artists of color. Um, I have a number, but it's super important to me and has been important since the beginning. So I would really like to uh, grow that number and grow that audience as well. Um, I have about seven artists from overseas, um, internationally, maybe maybe more like eight or 10, I'm not sure, but I would like to grow that as well. I think, mm -hmm. you know, um, international artists kind of bring a different perspective too. And it's it's fun for our kind of behind the scenes communication. And I, I have this one crazy dream that I don't know if it's ever gonna happen, but it could happen on a small scale because of, I'm so love to get people together. And um, I think it would be so fun, maybe like next fall when things settle down is somewhere in the States to pick maybe a city, um, like say Chicago, and just put it out there to all my artists to meet in Chicago for the weekend. Fun. So, so, you know, we know each other through Instagram and through our, you know, DMing and liking and sharing. But even if five or 10 of us could make it out of the however many we have at that point to meet in person and then to maybe do some different activities together, um, maybe even, you know, share ideas uh, for the company and and teach each other some things. Some of us are much stronger at uh, working social media than others. Some of us don't have websites, some of us do. So we could, it could be fun, but it could also be informational and kind of a learning, you know, learning from each other, but also just to get to know each other better and make those kind of one-on-one -on -one, uh, in-person connections. So that's a crazy idea I have. And now you have that, you have that on, on, on audio too. So you got to hold me to that too. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I love yeah. those ideas. I feel like any opportunity to, you know, collaborate and also meet in person. I mean, that is one thing that it's tough. It's tough for small business because a lot of the time you do, you grow your following organically through events and through participating in things. And it's just not something that's really doable right now, especially right. businesses. Like a lot of the way that you generate engagement in the beginning is like going to craft fairs and markets and, you know, small gatherings and shows and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. And all of this right. is, too, is just, you know, doing some things like that, collaborating with a lot of my friends who have small businesses and doing pop-ups and meeting and, you know, just doing small, I don't know, in-person things because that is a lot of the way that you know you generate that kind of stuff so I think absolutely I tried to do a few like online um pop-up things but th those just aren't I don't think those are very successful for anyone right now like I joined other people's that were very popular like mm -hmm. junior leagues and like uh, Georgetown Visitation does is free but I just think we're not there yet then yeah. I don't think those events are getting the traction I think people are missing seeing and touching and feeling and experiencing, you know, products um, in that way. So hopefully we'll be back to that soon. Yeah. And if not, we'll have to be creative. I mean, I've been to a couple of different ones where it was like all of them were, you know, space six feet apart. It was all outside. Everybody had like a little tent. Right. You just have to, you just kind of have to, oh, there was one company too that had like these cute little teepees. Like you can sit under the teepee and it's like, you know, you put your table under there. So 
Right. Like right. Ideas out there, you know, it's just exactly if we're in this it's for much longer, we might have to get a little bit more creative. We'll get very creative, very creative. Exactly. <laughs> well, Angie, thank you so much for taking the time today. And um, I'll definitely be in touch. And I just really appreciate it. Um, this was so great. You're welcome. It was really fun. Yeah, it's it's great to learn from each other and to talk to other women that are also promoting, you know, um, other females and, and women and encouraging young girls, you know, to live their dreams and, and to help each other, you know, absolutely. we're in it together. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll talk soon. Okay, sweetie. Thanks. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you. All right bye. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to let you guys know that right now we are doing a special Galentine's or Valentine's, if that's what you're into, day gift box over on Ellie Jane Collective for the month of February. Included is a handcrafted card, a package of decadent handmade caramels, and a beautiful wild rosebud and petals bath bomb featuring wild rose and sweet orange essential oils. It's absolutely insane. You can always reach out to us if you need help curating special gifts for loved ones, family, colleagues, or friends. We're more than happy to help create something just as beautiful and unique as each of you are. If you're looking for more about me, Ellie Rowe, and my business, Ellie Jean Collective, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ellie Jean Collective or online at elliejanecollective.com. And if you haven't already, please, please share this podcast with others. Leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is you're listening. And please reach out if there are women you'd like to hear from, innovators doing amazing things in the community. We want to know about it. And in the meantime, please continue living your life with intention and cultivating your life consciously.